TalkZone.com. Now, TalkZone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. Welcome, everybody, two guys at a mic show back at you midweek Wednesday here in the fine city of Chicago. The big dog and the coach at your service as we are each and every weekday from 10 until 11. We appreciate your tuning in today. Plenty to talk about, including our very own homegrown NBA MVP. Six consecutive letters. I like that. NBA MVP on CBS as USC takes on UCLA. Uh, we'll talk some NBA playoffs. We got baseball news. White Sox getting no hit yesterday. David Olson, our producer, shockingly calling it, uh, maybe accurately, the most unexciting no hitter in the history of baseball, but still it was a no hitter. And we got some things off the sports page as well. First and foreplay. I mean, first and foremost. And foreplay, too. Let me bring in my uh, fine partner, checking in via the telecommunicative phone lines out in Aurora, Illinois. It's the big dog, Joe Edwanski. Big dog, how are you, my friend? Sorry about the uh, foreplay reference. Yeah, please. Not not with the three of us yeah. doing a show together. It was a slip, slip of the tongue, pardon the pun. Yeah, who knows what these webcams, next thing you know, you're going to have callers calling in telling yeah. you to take your top off, Coach. So Probably. What you it's, say. it's already happened. Okay. Been there, done that. Have you done it? <laughs> huh? Have you done it? Well, because I don't know, I can't see you. You got to check into two guys in a mic after show. Oh, you don't know, but me and David Olson, we do an extra ten minutes. You haven't been part of, but <laughs> that's hot. Oh goodness, how are you, big dog? Great what? that uh, you know, homegrown kid, twenty-two years old, out of Englewood area of the fine city of Chicago on the south side, becomes your NBA MVP. Kind of cool, something we can take pride in. Beyond kind of cool. It's great, and uh, he really has he has what do you call it the makings of a guy that could be Jerry West. Do you know what I mean? Like a, mm-hmm. a guy that is a legend fifty years from now in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Let's not rush. Let's not rush. And, and an MVP doesn't mean that a career of MVP and championships. That that's what it means. But we're really blessed in Chicago to have this guy as a twenty-two year old. Because you talk about saying all the right things. Coach, he's, he really does just want to be a good guy and be the greatest basketball player he possibly can be. Mm-hmm. I, I, I tr- he still listens to his mom. You know what I mean? He takes care of his sisters and stuff. I mean, he's a good guy. So yep. this yep. is the type of MVP the NBA has needed for a long time, even though he's not a really charismatic personality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you, you nailed it on all fronts. It's kind of cool because he's not trying to be humble. It's just, you can see, it's quite the opposite, actually. He's trying to be a little bit outspoken and create some personality. The guy is just naturally humble. All he cares about is playing basketball and his team winning. That sounds cliche, but it's uh, it's deep from the heart. It's part of the very soul, it seems, of this 22-year-old kid from Englewood. Absolutely, Coach. I, you, I really feel it that uh, that's all he really cares about, whatever it takes for them to win. Mm-hmm. He's one of those guys that gets it. If they win, he'll be considered great. No mm-hmm. one's going to say, hey, did he have? Did he average uh, 18 points a game or 19 points a game for a career? They're going to say no. Did he win four championships or three championships? Mm-hmm. So, powerful moment, by the way. Really powerful moment, emotional moment when he was, uh, you know, he thanked all the right people at the press conference. But talking about his mom for 
I don't know, 45 seconds, minute, maybe a minute and 15 seconds, looking right at her, tears almost coming to the eyes of D. Rose and her reaction and the sister sitting next. That was uh, Oh, I haven't seen it. I haven't oh, seen good. it. I cannot wait to see that. Okay. Yeah, you could, you could YouTube that, but that was good raw human emotional drama. See, I, I didn't even see that. Trust me, Coach, he really loves his family, and he, he yep. wants to take care of them, Coach. Mm-hmm. See, that's the type of guy he is. Mm-hmm. And at well, that moment, he's thanking them, so I can't wait to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very, very cool. Well, congrats to him. 22 years old, youngest ever. Do I got that right, Big Dog? Youngest yes. MVP in the history of the NBA. Yes, the youngest ever in the history of the NBA. Uh-huh, that's outstanding. Who was second? Was it Wilt Um, I don't know about that. I'll look into that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'll look into it. And I wonder I'll, I'll if previous, previous to Rose, I wonder if Wilt Stilt was the youngest and maybe the no. oldest to ever get MVP. My guess for the youngest before him, mm-hmm. and I, and I'm, I'm and actually I would make it a strong guess. Maybe Magic West, Johnson. No, Wes Unsell. Magic Johnson didn't win his first MVP until he was twenty okay. six or twenty seven. Coach. He was the NBA playoff MVP in his rookie year. But yeah, in nineteen eighty. But, but you're talking about MVP of the season. The, the MVP uh-huh. of the season. His first uh, overall MVP was. Uh, 86-87 was uh, Magic Johnson's first overall MVP. And Jordan okay. averaged 37.1 that game, and he should have won it, or that year he definitely should have won it. Wes Unseld won the MVP as a rookie, remember? In no. 1969, it was either 68-69 wow. or 69-70, and I'm pretty sure it was 69-70. Do not remember. Love Wes Unseld. Wes Unseld only averaged like 13 points a game that year, but he yeah. averaged like 24 rebounds. I'm not kidding. Oh. And he won the NBA MVP as a rookie. As a rookie? Yeah. Wow, I do not remember that. Playing for the Baltimore Bullets, one of my favorite teams from the days gone by. And that was in the late 60s, early 70s. You should have, I mean, that's like, you know, you were a sports fan. You should have remembered. That's a big story. Yeah, that was my late teenage years, Big Dog. That was, uh, that might have been right during my breakout period, and I'm not talking about sports. So I might have, the West Unsold years might not be the most recollected for me. Those breakout periods are they're, yes. they're awful fun to think yeah. of, aren't they? Yeah. Coach? Mine was brief. It was brief, not as extended as many others, but uh, I believe my particular breakout situation might have corresponded with the rookie year of a West Sunset, but I loved the West Sunset. Boy, the outlet, he, he basically was the black Kevin Love. Great rebounder. That's, no, 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 no. Well, Kevin Love, uh, you know what? I, I, see, I know exactly where you're going with that, but I, I think Kevin Love's a better shooter, and West Sunset is more of a. Just knock-you-in-your-face type of dude. Mm-hmm. Or Wes Unsell's more of a knock-you-in-your-face type of dude. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about Wes Unsell, too, is he led the NBA in rebounds. He was only 6'8", and he couldn't jump. Yeah, exactly. That's Exactly. Yeah. He's kind of like no. a fat Dennis Rodman. Yeah, now how, <laughs> now how can that happen, though? You're, you know, 6'7", 6'8", going up against the big boys. Now, back in the late 1960s, there weren't as many 7-footers as now, but he was not... A huge guy, and he barely got off the ground, but he was... But, uh, but Coach, back then, the centers and power forwards, forwards really, their their motive was to rebound. Not mm-hmm. like today, some of them are jump shooters. Do you know what I'm saying? And they're like, oh, I have to rebound? Okay, I'll yep. do it for money. That's a good you know, point. But they're not, but they're not ingrained. Mm-hmm. The, way, the way they do it is just the way, remember when we talked about Kevin Love earlier in the year? As soon as the ball is shot, you can see him moving to where the ball is going to end up landing. Yep. And that's how Wes Unsell did it. And with mm-hmm. a base that big and Ooh, arms that Strong long, base. If you, he, if you get to your spot, you can yeah. just put your butt in a certain situation and yeah. you're getting the ball. He had one of the best bases I've seen since uh, Secretariat running in the uh, Preakness. 
I, that that bass never really made yeah. me get me going at yeah. all. Well, I didn't get me. That's like a figure skater. Well, I don't know. I, you know, just tremendous gluteal maximal musculature on a West Sun. So it was very impressive. Yeah, and those were back in the short short days. So, so you <laughs> oh, actually, that's right. I forgot could, about that. Yeah, you know, you could actually get a little. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I don't know how we uh, wandered into that territory after. Uh, Crowning Derrick Rose MVP. Well, I guess I do because you're saying Wes Sussel, and I think you're right, was the youngest previous to that. But congratulations. Well, he was, he's the, the only rookie. So uh, that's mm-hmm. got to be a pretty good guy. All right. Well, congrats to our homegrown guy, Derrick Rose. Well, deserve it, no question. Uh, not only the best player in the NBA this year, but sometimes the best player is not the most valuable. But I think, uh, Big Dog, you take him off the Bulls. I don't think you could take any other player off of any other team and it would have more of a significant drop. So in the truest sense of the words, he was the most valuable player. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And when people use the argument, well, they took LeBron away from Cleveland, look what happened at Cleveland. It, it, well, it, the whole point is he plays on Miami Heat now. Yeah. If he took LeBron off the Miami Heat, mm-hmm. It wouldn't be as big of a deal as if you took Derrick Rose away from the Chicago Bulls. No question about it. Chicago fans, NBA fans, you want to check in. We'll get to baseball in a little bit. Some other stories on the docket as well. Phone lines open, 888-463-6748. Producer extraordinaire David Olson on the other side of the glass. Big dog, if Derrick Rose were sitting next to me right now, he would tell me, stop talking about the MVP trophy. Let's concentrate on game two. 7 o'clock tonight, TNT, Game 2 for the Bulls. Not a must-win, but a biggie. Yeah, the Atlanta no, 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 Hawks no, 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 dominated no, no, no. in Game 1. What happens tonight? Coach, uh, this is this is, uh, this is is like on the door where they're knocking on the must-win situation. I, I, I know what you're saying. You don't want to play that panic. Mm-hmm. You don't want to play panic. No. You don't go down 0-2 at home and win playoff series very often. Like, it's maybe like once or twice it's ever happened in the history of the NBA. Mm-hmm. So you, you don't want to... Uh, you don't want to look history in the face. The point is they they need to get this win desperately tonight, and they better play that way. Mm-hmm. But play in a way that if they – first thing they need to do is uh, move the ball a little bit more. They, they, it, it seemed like they were getting no shots by the by the rim because it seemed like there was a little too much one-on-one play, I thought, in the first game. Mm-hmm. Early and on, then, though, you know, people are criticizing the start of the game. Hey, the Bulls got to be ready to play. You know, no energy at the start. I watched the game, and I, I'd like to watch the tape over again. I would argue – that you know, I'm not saying it's the greatest energy start in the history of the NBA, but the Bulls were ready. They moved yeah, the ball. Energy, energy wasn't the problem. They, Ex- thank you. Atlanta came out real crisp. Yes. Real crisp. Yeah. I mean, they, 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 they every single look they had was wide yeah. open. Yeah, it, it, was, it was a combination of two things. One, one missed shots by the Chicago Bulls, and two, the Atlanta Hawks came out and played tremendously. That's what created the, the bad start. Not that the Bulls weren't ready to play. They were ready. Yeah, I can't imagine this team not being ready. I mean, what's well, it? but if you listen yeah. to most of the experts in the Chicago area, and even nationally, that's the story. You know, a sense of urgency for the Bulls. They weren't ready to play. Lack. Even their head coach said the same thing. And I, again, I'm not going to say it was the greatest energy performance of all time, but I thought they were ready to play. The Atlanta Hawks just played better. And uh, there's no substitute for making shots, Big Dog. One team missed shots. The other team made them. Well, your energy is the only thing that you can control. How much energy wow. that you into the game. That sounded very Tom Thibodeau-esque. Did you come off with that on your own, or was that uh, coach speak right there? Uh, somehow, somewhere, a coach has probably said that <laughs> to a team I was on. So. All right, give me a uh, look into your uh, 
little microscope here and give me an idea of what we might see tonight. Do you see an Atlanta Hawks going to be playing loose and easy here? No pressure on them. Tight ball game. Bulls blow them out. Another Hawks win. What do you see happening tonight? Well, I, I said from the start that I did not like this matchup and that these are going to be all close games, Coach. And we'll have another close one. The Bulls will win. The Bulls but, will definitely play better defensively. That is a must. So, you know, I know they didn't play poorly, like we said the other day, but they need to play great because uh, Atlanta, for some reason, which never played defense all season long mm-hmm. in the playoffs, is playing great defense. So, the, you know, this isn't the same Atlanta Hawk team that the, the Bulls ran through in the in the regular season besides that one game where they blew the huge lead. Mm-hmm. Um, they need to put the nails down a little bit okay. more defensively. All right, so tight game, but Bulls pull it out. Yes, they will. That's they the will. prognostication. Uh, by the way, speaking of prognostication, a little bit later in the show, I may be telling you who Saturday at 4:45 will be crossing the line at Churchill Downs and winning the Kentucky Derby. We got to do a little, a little brief moment in time with the Kentucky Derby. But uh, you're, yeah, prog- I'm, I'm done with yeah, brief, please, please brief. Yeah, I got. I want to. We have a couple of new horses racing that people don't know about. Also, you'll be, you'll be interested in these two. Why don't you do uh, the the Kentucky Derby breakdown with our our guest Stop David Kenny today? Will you please? I know we have a guest coming up today. Very, very exciting because, uh, as you know, we don't get that many guests willing to come on the show, Big Dog. Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, exactly. The last guest that we had, I think, was an <laughs> part of Al Qaeda. So. <laughs> and it was tough getting him on. Believe me. Well, heck yeah. Yeah, because believe me. The only internet, it's very difficult. Well, the only reason we were able to get him is we found out who his courier was. Yeah. By the way, there are people. Uh, you know, we Jim keep courier. Talking. By the way, huh? It was Jim Courier. <laughs> Stop it. Um, there were people emailing in now that we found where Bin Laden lives. The next mission is going to be to find where the big dog lives because, you know, as you know, you haven't been coming in the studio because you got no vehicle. And we say that you're living out in the Aurora area, but no one has actually spotted you out there. So uh, there are people, big dog, looking. I don't know if you're in a small house, an apartment, a cave, a villa, a big compound, but people are going to try to track you down now that Bin Laden has been found. Now, uh, <laughs> you, you've seen pictures, Coach. This is more like a villa, wouldn't you say? Where you are? Yeah. Well, I, I don't know where you are. It's a compound, even though I, I, I'm continually working on the yeah, fence. I, it's, I, uh, all, I, all my like uh, people in the neighborhood. You showed me one time one when I came out there, and my guess is that's not the actual place where you're living. I think. <laughs> well, you know, I, you probably tried to throw me off the trail a little bit, so I think. Uh, <laughs> There are some of our listeners that, again, now that uh, problem number one has been solved, they're going to be looking to see where you are living, big dog. And well, appara- uh, apparently you got to look in some of the more obvious spots. We found that lesson. We, we do have a cache here of arms. Mm-hmm. I, I'd be very careful. Okay. All right. Do you have a flat top roof or is a slanted roof? Well, um, well, you can see it from one of those drones, Coach. Mm-hmm. Okay. See, that was one of Bin Laden's biggest mistakes, by the way, to go with the flat top roof. He should have been thinking about that, right? I don't understand. Well, if the guys would have would have uh, been lower down on the helicopter and had to land on the slanted roof, that would have been a problem. Oh, no, 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 Coach. They uh, Check this out, okay? I'm, I'm glad you brought this up. All the misinformation. <laughs> yes. Okay? Uh, and, I, and I do remember some of the stuff that I said that now was wrong, and also I want to say some of the stuff that I said that people said later was wrong, and now they're saying that it's right. All the misinformation coming up, mm-hmm. uh, the helicopters landed. They jumped out and ran. They didn't get lowered down by the courts. You sure about that? I thought and they did. Well, you know, that's funny. Is I, I thought so, too. Okay. And then all of a sudden, 
uh, last night I'm watching this thing on mm-hmm. CNN, and they're like, this is how they approached. And uh, Anderson Cooper mm-hmm. was pretty uh, adamant okay. that that's how so they none of our So none of our fine Navy SEALs travailing down a very thin threaded cord coming from a helicopter, as we originally thought. Yes, exactly. They, 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 I have no idea why, but okay. that's okay. And then here's another one, Coach. Well, you know the whole story about the, the woman. First yes. it was uh, Bin Laden grabbed and put in front of her, yep. and then it was somebody else put him in front of her. And now they're saying that uh, she ran. Mm-hmm. One woman ran at him, and another woman, like, uh, jumped in front. There's like ten stories going on with that. I don't know if we'll mm-hmm. ever find out. And uh, another thing is, now yesterday when I was telling you that Brennan sounded like he, uh, what do you call it, when they were, I can't think of the word, but anyways, he was saying that they were monitoring the whole situation, like they saw everything. Mm-hmm. He implied that they had seen everything. He really did, Coach. Well, this yesterday morning, right when I get off the air saying that, I start reading that, and they're like, oh, the, President Obama saw nothing. Okay, and then by the end of the night, I read something on Drudge Report that basically said they watched the whole entire thing via surveillance on like three or four of the sealed mm-hmm. helmets, which is kind of like the unit. If anybody's watched that, I was like, it's kind of funny. We have television shows where the president could watch survey, like, like surveil the whole entire situation, but in real life we can't do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That's why I was like, really, just it didn't happen. George Report had a whole article about everything that they watched, mm-hmm. everything down to the last second. All right, so that yeah, story's everything. gone, uh, gone full circle on that one because I had, I had heard they were just getting updates. Yeah, not and, able to and, watch the whole thing, but and the Drudge Report is always right. Okay. Uh, honestly, Coach, like everything you read, Drudge Report is just, yeah. just mind-boggling. I've never just, watched that. Is it a TV show? Is it a blog? It's called no, the it's, a, Dr- it's a website. A website. DrudgeReport.com. Uh, Spell Drudge, not D-R-U-G, but D-R-U-D-G-E. Yep, Report.com. Drudge Report. Basically, it's not it's not left or right. It's just uh-huh. every single major article in the world. Okay. okay. It's they have hundreds of people who read them, and if it's something that's really important, mm-hmm. they verify it and put it on their site. So it's basically the all-encompassing. So you'll get Al Jazeera stuff on there, Coach. You'll mm-hmm. get you'll get Chicago Sun-Times stuff on there. You'll get Miami Herald. Mm-hmm. You'll get stuff from London, Africa. Okay. i got to add that to my uh, growing list of websites i got to check out on a daily basis. One of them I know is the Daily Beast uh, a couple others have to do with erectile dysfunction, and another one has to do with the National Wiffle Ball Championship picked up. But there's a lot of websites that I check on a regular basis. No, I think I got to get a ball back to Wiffle Ball Coach. In, 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 my, in the backyard of uh, the villa slash compound, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to build a uh, an actual mini baseball park, and I think it's going to have to be Fenway. So people get upset, why don't you build the Wrigley Field? Because it's the configuration of my backyard. But I, I think I'm going to do something like that. June 25th, Big Duck. June 25th, Channelside Park, Skokie, Illinois. We are going to be out there hopefully doing a remote, but the National Wiffle Ball Championship, five-person teams aged 12 and over, National Wiffle Ball Championship, believe it or not, right here in nearby Skokie, Illinois. Hey, Coach, uh, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. It's it's rent out uh, two cameras and a cameraman, get us mic'd up, and then let us act like it's the most serious thing ever in the world and we can make a mockumentary out of it. It's actually not bad. I'm going to email them with that uh, idea. Okay. You like that? Yeah, I will. I'll follow up on that. And, uh, we can make it seem like the most we, – we can. Yeah. obviously it won't be because it's just for fun for everything, but mm-hmm. we can make it look like the people there are taking yeah. it more yeah, serious than Osama bin Laden. Don't, <laughs> don't kid yourself. National Wiffle Ball Championship, I guarantee you. 
there'll be a certain segment of those teams that are playing for blood. There'll be nothing fun about it. They'll be going. That's, there's... Why, that's why we'll be able to make fun of okay. these people via the so mockumentary. That, that'll make it, I, see what I'm getting at? It'll make it even better. Yes. 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 I like it. I like the idea. The people I, who are really there having a good time, they'll yeah. get what we're doing, yep. and they won't. And then they'll play into it. Mm-hmm. All right. This I'm gonna, be, this I, be funny, I like the idea. I'm going to email them right away. By the way, real quick, I mentioned meant to mention this to you last week. I had a very sad note, but speaking of documentaries and some of the stuff we've just been talking about, you had mentioned a film way back, which I still haven't seen, uh, that was nominated for an Academy Award. It was called Restrepo, oh, and I'm sure it. you are aware that tragically the great photographer who created that film was was killed via uh, gunfire, bomb fire, whatever you call it, in, I think it was Libya, right? I had no idea, Coach. You had not heard? No, I had not heard. Once again, reactionary sports talk radio here. His name is Tim, help me out, David Hetherington. There were two young photographers, that, that just tremendous American heroes, who over the years brought us the stories on a regular basis, brought us the pictures, more importantly. And uh, the guy who produced that big dog, he, he got killed. Bombing. Oh, that's horrible. Bombing that's in horrible. Libya. 41-year-old guy was about to get married, knew the dangers of his job. He tweeted even beforehand that there's bombing in the area. It's looking dangerous. And, uh, yeah, killed. killed. But you said Restrepo was a powerful film, no? Oh, my goodness, Coach. It's, it's basically, uh, just to let you know, folks, it's, it's definitely worth seeing. And, you know, the crazy thing was, it was on, I saw it on National Geographic about five months before it was nominated for an Academy Award for that year. It mm-hmm. was a straight-to-television movie. And basically, he follows around a unit in Afghanistan, and yep. I'm talking about, like, tw- only 20 guys, and one of their main guys, this guy named Restrepo, mm-hmm. their, their leader, their, like, everybody-loved guy, the guy that everybody can depend on, got killed. So they make a base, and they call it Restrepo, and it's the daily workings of these guys. And it's not just them in gunfights with uh, Taliban and, 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 and other... Uh, idiots it's also with like them going to the different villages and and mm-hmm. talking to the people there and and trying to figure out where the spies are and who's good and who's bad and the, them trying to help them out and giving these people food for information and stuff mm-hmm. it is unreal coach it, it, I, I guarantee it's gonna start everyone's gonna start watching it again because now mm-hmm. everybody's back to uh you know how badass the navy seals are and how badass our our uh military is and Mm-hmm. And uh, so I remember you recommending it, and I do plan on seeing the the film. But you need to do a little background investigation website wherever you get the info. And read the story about the uh, tragic killing and a little bit of the background of this guy. Again, I'm absolutely going to now. I, I think I, it's I, Tim yeah. Hetherington, something like that. But all you got to do is plug in, uh, you know, on the on the website. Photographer killed in uh, Libya. You'll get all yeah, the just, info. Yeah, just Restrepo. Yeah, very very okay. sad, very very tragic. All right, uh, we're gonna take a quick break. We still got baseball to come. We got to talk about a no hitter. Unfortunately, not for our Chicago teams. It was against one of our Chicago team. I believe their last name is the Sox. Uh, we got some more NBA playoff to talk, and we got a special guest coming up. We're gonna take a quick break, regroup a little bit, and then we have a, a a special guest. And as you know, Big Dog, very few guests are willing to come on this show. It's amazing. So we get excited when someone actually does. All right, quick break. Two guys at a mic. TalkZone.com. Back in about 42.5 seconds. We're on a tight schedule.
time to get back to Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski, on TalkZone.com. Don't forget, I got the uh, Kentucky Derby pick coming up for you in a little bit on the show, so stick around for that. We'll talk uh, significant derby talk on Friday, but I may give you an early line on the winner coming up a little bit later in the show. Two guys and a mic back at you. TalkZone.com, big dog and a coach. At your service, phone lines open, 888-463-6748. David Olson told me we had a guest today. My first thought was Minnesota twin pitcher Francisco Liriano, who threw the no-hitter. But it is not Francisco Liriano instead. It is the highly acclaimed comedian from Second City, Jay McKinney, joining us from Second City. Jay, how are you? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me, Coach. How are you? It was it was either you or Francisco Liriano, and we picked you, Jay. Well, we had brunch together, uh, Francisco <laughs> and I, and um, I don't know. He just, you know, he wasn't up to it. I was like, let me, yeah. let me take your place. I've thought about throwing yeah. no hitters before. just never had the time. Let me take your place. Whatever you had for lunch, could you uh, pass that particular diet on to the rest of our White Sox pitchers? Because the guy came into the game with like a 9.13 ERA, and he no-hits our White Sox, Jay. Very, very sad. Are you I a- saw that. He he hasn't had a very good uh, – I guess he had, didn't have a very good April, and then all of a sudden uh, yeah. May is off to yeah, a heck of a start yeah, for him. He had lunch with you? Uh, we had some brunch this morning, yeah. yeah. So, uh, now, are you a so, comedian, a producer? What exactly is your responsibility at Second City? I uh, I guess you could, I'm a comedic actor. Um, I did some stand-up a while back, but uh, after a while, I got, I don't know, I just got tired of hearing my own voice. <laughs> and um started doing things with more like a, of an ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in a group now called Jazz Wax there, and uh, we've been together for about, uh, I guess, about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. And, we're doing a show there at uh, Donnie's Skybox at Second City. It's going to be every Thursday night. Uh, we had our first show last Thursday. It's going to be a run, I guess, until June 2nd. So we got five more of those. And uh, last week was good. It got pretty silly, but it was good. Is it a set act or is it more improv? Or it's, uh, it's improv. It's, it's okay. actually it's called Intervention. The name of the show is called Intervention, and it's based on the television series on A and E by the title of Intervention. How about that? Okay. <laughs> and uh, we take a suggestion from the audience as far as what the addiction will be. And then uh, I don't know if, you, if you're familiar with that show on A&E. Nope. Um, it's a uh, well, intervention. Uh, it's basically there's an addict, whether it's a, a drug addiction, alcohol addiction, uh, gambling addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll have the characters as far as the family. Um, and there's an enabler also. It's, you know, each each show of intervention on A&E is different. Um, as, as far as the addict goes, they're still the same stock mm-hmm. characters. You still have uh, everybody involved, the family members, and at the end of the show, they give an intervention for the addict. Right. They can choose whether to go into treatment or not. This, mm-hmm. this is kind of what we base our comedy show around. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, coach, like intervention is basically they get fifty percent of the ratings via like states who force people to, for uh, like hours for DUIs. They make them like watch that show. Uh-huh. And I'm not kidding about that. Yeah, I've been involved not. From my own standpoint, but I've been involved in a couple of interventions. It's pretty intense. Pretty yeah. intense. So to, to find a comedic touch to it uh, is no easy task, I would think. No, it's it's not that easy. Uh, that's why it's such an entertaining show, because if you're there to see it, mm-hmm. you know, you hope you're going to laugh. But at the same time, you're like, what? you know, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So we might have failed miserably, but it'll be entertaining. But uh, <laughs> what, what are your other stuff that you talk about? What do you talk about race and politics also? 
are those your other skits? I mean, that's really a, that's a, that is like a tough angle because you're talking about like anguish for people, sort of make, to like have fun with that. That is kind of risky. Yeah, it it is kind of risky, and I think you know it, it depends on the suggestion we get. Like last Thursday, somebody gave us a suggestion of uh, a blankie, uh, something they had when they were a kid as kind of a security blanket. So mm-hmm. we morphed that into an addiction. Our addict had a, an addiction with you know, eventually just touching every kind of fabric she could get her hands on. <laughs> and it's hard to take that seriously and convey the kind of anguish that that person in the family goes through. Mm-hmm. And I guess it takes a, a touch of acting, um, which, uh, they're, you know, our group is pretty talented in that aspect. So mm-hmm. um, well, it's a challenge, but uh, that's what makes it so much fun. Now, now, yesterday I was actually out with uh, Jay and also, I guess, someone that's also a part of the, the ensemble, Kate. Uh, Coach, right. we did a confrontation involving like uh, Jay was and Kate were were like ex lovers, and we did it at the McDonald's right outside of Wrigley Field. Mm-hmm. And the, the the comedic acting was unbelievable. It was so good. It was now, really did, good. Pe- did people realize you were filming something, or, or did they think it was for real? Well, I think yeah. they thought it was for real for the most part. Okay. Um, until we stopped the cameras, until you know somebody yelled "cut," and then we all just started dying laughing. Mm-hmm. I think then they realized that it was not to be taken seriously. Is that something the uh, fine two guys in a mic talkzone dot com public will be able to see? Uh, theaters, YouTube. Is there any video we can uh, catch that at? It's going to take a, a little bit because we're going to have to edit it up. Ah, and well, Idris is going to have to do that. So, but... Jay, one one thing I've learned working with uh, Joel editing is a crucial crucial technique to use with him. <laughs> Yeah, that, that's why live radio. That's why live radio was so much fun with him, though, as well. When no, he no, much better when he can't be. I've talked about this before. You know, in sports, you come up with tense, clutch, nervous moments all the time. I can't think personally of too many things that would be more nerve wracking, unless they were life threatening or threaten your health, than getting on stage, looking at a bunch of people who have paid money and basically are there saying, "Hey, make me laugh." And in your situation, you don't even have a planned routine. You've got to take suggestions from the crowd and right. off the cuff make it funny. I, I, just to me, that is amazing. Are you a little nervous before each performance, or do you got it down pretty good? Uh, I think it, I guess there's always some nerves. Um, you know, if you weren't nervous, then that would be a problem because it kind of means you don't care that much. But, mm-hmm. yeah, we're all a little nervous uh, before we get up there. But we got a group of really talented people, which makes it, you know, so much easier to get up there. We've all known each other for, like I said, about a year and a half, two years now, and we can kind of anticipate each other's uh, style um, and maybe possibly where their thoughts are going before they mm-hmm. say something. So it's uh, it makes it a lot easier to have talented people around you, and right. it's, uh, it's always a lot of fun. Cool. Every Thursday, you said it is it Donnie's Skybox. Donnie's Skybox at the at Second City. Yeah, sixteen oh eight North Wells. Sixteen oh eight North Wells. And yeah, the show is called well. Jazz? Uh, the group is called Jazz Wax. Jazz Wax, um, okay. I don't know how we came across mm-hmm. that name or why we decided to stick with that. Either way, mm-hmm. uh, it's called Jazz Wax. The show is actually called Intervention. Okay, cool. And tickets, I would assume, are readily available? Tickets are available. Uh, they're $12, All right. um, general admission. And if you're actually a student of Second City or the training center, it's $6. Mm-hmm. Cool. Big Dog, I'm assuming you'll be uh, hunkering up a couple of tickets, which we can give away to some of our lucky listeners, I'm assuming. 
Yeah, I, I, I'll figure out a way to do that, Coach. And I'm definitely going to go check it out as soon as they fix that bike rack in front of Second City. Seriously, I'm not going to have my bike stolen. <laughs> so oh, hopefully they goodness. get that cleared up. I forgot that was incident number uh, 21 of about 84 Joel's had in the past <laughs> month of April was not good for the big dog, Jack. That's what I understand. Yeah. Sorry to hear that. I'm, 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 I'm looking for a much greater thing. I think the month of May is going to be a breakout month for the big dog. <laughs> Hey, Jay, real quick on a sporting front, uh, did you grow up in Chicago? Which teams are nearest and dearest to uh, Jay McKinney's heart? Uh, i got to say I'm actually from Georgia, from the south. Um, as I, I do respect the Chicago teams. I pull for Chicago teams unless they're playing the uh, Atlanta Braves, mm-hmm. the Atlanta Falcons. Um, unfortunately now, uh, you know, your Bulls are playing my Hawks Ooh, at the, uh, the NBA playoffs. Interesting angle. So you are the only team you would not root for when the Bulls are playing as your very own Atlanta Hawk. Exactly. Okay. Uh, you, you, I, don't, I didn't even know the Hawks made the playoffs until <laughs> you know like a couple of weeks ago. I thought I didn't know they had still had a team after Dominique Wilkins left. Uh-huh. But, um, <laughs> but much to my surprise, yeah. they were you know they beat the the Orlando Magic, and mm-hmm. I thought that was a joke when I read it in the paper. But uh, um, but no, I, I you know I do like the Chicago teams just as long as they're not playing any Atlanta teams. Big now, Dog, did, did you see Dominic Wilkins uh, pictured in the crowd? No, I haven't seen that. Uh, he uh, does. How do I gently describe? It? He looks a little weathered. He's yeah. The years uh, the years have not been kind to Dominic Wilkins. Maybe he just had a bad month of April. I could, don't know. Could have been. Yeah, he's originally from Georgia too, so he's like all Georgia all the all the mm-hmm. way. Dominic Wilkins, yeah. Yeah, right now yeah. Georgia University is on my you know what list because uh, dog, you're probably. Not aware of this, but Northwestern University had a uh, rather top-line big-man recruit. And they need a big guy for next year. He was choosing between North Carolina, Georgia, believe it or not, Northwestern was in the hunt. And the implications were he was going to go Northwestern. He uh, lives about three hours away from Georgia. He declared a couple days ago for the University of Georgia. So, Jay, this could be the end of our discussion right now. (laughs) (laughs) Not very much. Are you a Bulldog fan, and have you burned – something in effigy outside of mark rick's home yet uh no i i maybe maybe i know some people that have i'm not going to name any names what's, what's wrong uh, with mark rick oh there's nothing but people in georgia all of a sudden hate him because he oh. had like a five loss season give me a break he's a good coach i think so too i, I think he's a good coach yeah this you know they take it so seriously down there um i did grow up a bulldogs fan i went to another smaller school in georgia um for my uh my college education but uh, i did grow up a bulldogs fan and, um, you know, during the season, it does frustrate you to see uh, Mark and Rick on the sidelines sometimes not showing much emotion when you kind of want him to. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be my only complaint about him. But, uh, yeah, good coach. Okay. All right, cool. Well, Jay, we appreciate you taking some time out. Best of luck with the show every Thursday, uh, at least for the next few weeks, at Second City. And, again, the address over there, 1608 North Wells. The show's called Intervention, the group called Jazz Wax. We wish you the uh, – Best of luck, Jay. Keep in touch and uh, hang around, Joel. Early and often, you'll get plenty of comedic material. I appreciate it, guys. Thank you very much for having me. Okay. Later, Jay. There it is. Yeah, really, if I'm a comedian, uh-huh. I would almost pay you, Joel, to hang around with me, and I'd just keep a notepad and paper and just write the things you do, and I've got material for a brand-new show almost weekly. I'm trying to end that, Coach. I'm trying to really end mm-hmm. leaving like a, a trail of disaster <laughs> everywhere I go. <laughs> it's not working, though. All right. Has there been an intervention for you yet? Yeah, what are people going to stop me doing, though? It's a good point. 
It's a good point because your 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 deficiencies are not centrally located. They kind of span the globe. Like what are they gonna do? Make me sit down and not do anything? Because it's basically if I do anything, is where the trouble starts. Ah, <laughs> oh, stop being so hard on yourself. All right, that was good. I enjoyed that uh, talking with Jay. Oh no, no, uh, Coach, I, I'm not kidding. We've done a lot of these confrontations, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and when we we started doing new ones over the last like three months to really better cameras, it's all just I don't know. Everything's working out a lot better now. Mm-hmm. But by far, the the best acting that we've got and stayed in focus, all that stuff, was him. And then one of his uh, people in, in Jazz Wax, this girl named Kate, she was excellent. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was phenomenal. He played like a, he played like a putsy um, like ex-husband who uh, had two jobs, so, a social worker and a dog walker. And the ex was a woman who didn't want anything to do with the baby. And we busted her out with her current boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Okay, and she's a meth addict, and we're selling her bipolar pills <laughs> in order for her to get money. Okay, <laughs> Coach, I'm telling uh, you, it's hysterical. All right, now you're going to have to let us know when uh, when this can be seen. No, honestly, what we're doing is, you know, Idris, Idris has uh, met with Warner Brothers over all the stuff that we've produced. So I'll have to let you know. Okay. We wanted five shows. We've got five shows for mm-hmm. We have five shows, Coach. And it's me chasing down deadbeat people. And, okay. I mean, I, I I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I don't know. We'll, see. we'll mm-hmm. see. I saw all the old stuff. I haven't seen the new stuff yet. But All right. Well, let us know. We will be happy to uh, pop it up here. Let us know when it is available for. Well, it's, it's, it's months away, Coach, before it's going to be available right, for production. Well, hey, hey. It took took seven years to catch Osama bin Laden once they got the first hint. We can wait six months for your film production to come to fruition, Big Dog. Yeah, this is true. It's all about patience, my friend. 888-463-6748. Big Dog, we're 37 minutes into the show, and we're kind of living up to what David Olson and some of the reporters said, that uh, the no-hitter thrown against the White Sox yesterday, I mean, no-hitter is always special, but it was one of the more nondescript no-hitters in the history of baseball, but still. A no-hitter, Francisco Liriana, shuts down literally the Chicago White Sox. Uh, a, did you see it? B, your thoughts on Liriana? Coach, you realize how much pride I take in being like a baseball historian yep. and a baseball expert. You know I do. And, mm-hmm. and you can kind of push my buttons because of that. Uh, I had no <laughs> idea he had thrown the no-hitter until after the game was over with mm-hmm. yesterday. Okay. And I'm really, really embarrassed. That would never have happened if Osama bin Laden wasn't captured the other day. Mm-hmm. Because there was no question, I would have been watching every single baseball game that was going on at the time. But I've been like so transfixed into this, I didn't, you know, and I didn't get home until about nine seventeen. So there you go. And I, I had no idea he was pitching a no hitter at the time. I was kind of the opposite situation of you and baseball fans out there. You want to check in? You saw the no hitter. Talk about that, Cub fans. We'll get to you in just a second. Phone lines open eight 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 four six three sixty seven. 48. Big Dog, I'm the opposite of you because uh, I hate to admit it, but I've seen very little and, and really have made very little attempt to watch White Sox baseball. A lot of it's just a lack of time, but I'm flipping around channels yesterday. And uh, sure enough, there are the Chicago White Sox, seventh inning, no hitter. So I stick around and watch the last three innings in a rare moment in time. And uh, it wasn't like he was dominant. He gave up six walks. He didn't strike out that many guys. Got some nice fielding plays, but uh, one way or another, he got the no hitter. Yeah, I guess that's that's all that really counts is if you if you get it or not. Mm-hmm. So uh, they got the win too, which is uh, another thing that the White Sox really needed. 
Now, yesterday I was like, hey, you know, it's bad that they start out of this and they have to start playing well soon or else they'll be buried. Yep. Um, but, you know, no reason to get up in a panic. But when you get no hit in the middle of, of them kind of in so much doldrums, this, they, they need to bounce back like immediately, Coach. Which I think they will. They, well, they're they're going to need to because mm-hmm. I, I think psychologically – this next couple of days are yep. important for the this season for the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, I think it was at uh, I think Bobby Valentine on the post game show for uh, ESPN or one of the national shows. I think it was ESPN. He made the comment that uh, this might ex- be exactly what the White Sox need to bounce out of their doldrums. You get no hit by your arch rivals in the middle of a slump. Maybe you got to hit rock bottom, and now they're going to bounce back. And I I do believe that's what's going to happen. I think you can see the White Sox fire out. Okay. Well, that I guess you know, but it's a major, it's a major psychological uh, like stage mm-hmm. in this particular part of the season. Mm-hmm. This can make or break their season. This next like five, ten games. Mm-hmm. And Francisco Liriano throws the no hitter. Congratulations to him. Big dog. His story, and he hasn't been around that long. What three, four years dominant early on. Had the significant arm injury. Came back and. Uh, Last year he was up and down, right? In his yeah, first exactly. year back, exactly. He would, you know, he'd have a he'd have a game where he, you know, threw seven innings and like a, would allow a run and was dominant, and then the next game he'd give up five runs in three innings. Mm-hmm. You know, it was really hard to put a finger on it, and that, and that was consistent. Then you look at his stats at the end of the year, and his ERA is just below four, and that's basically how he did it. One game, you know, six innings, no runs. Next game, Boy. you know. Five innings, five runs. And before the serious arm injury, I forget what the injury was, but I know it knocked it him was, out for a whole year. It was collateral. The, okay. the Tommy John, it was all collateral. Right. Before that, I mean, he was he was young. Maybe hitters were still figuring him out, but he was a dominant pitcher. Uh, you know, looked like he was going to be maybe one of the best pitchers in baseball for the next 5, 10, 15. Yeah, he, he really did. And uh, he was part of the A.J. Przinski trade. A.J. Okay. Przinski went from the Twins to the Giants and, the Giants sent them Francisco Liriano and Joe mm-hmm. Nathan. You know, the Giants have been lamenting that trade up until last year's World Series. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I mean, Liriano was better than Santana when Santana was at, at the best he ever was when they were at the same time as the Twins. Mm-hmm. When Liriano, uh, Santana was the best he ever was, it was the same time Liriano was the best he ever was, and Liriano was better than Santana at that time. Yeah. That's how good Liriano was before the elbow blew up. I'm talking about Johan Santana, who was unbelievable, too. By the way, lost in all the uh, the accolades for Francisco Liriano. Edwin Jackson came up with a damn good pitching performance for the White Sox. Gave up just one run, arguably, if you watched him pitch. Better than Francisco Liriano, but uh, it was key for the Sox. Good for the future that Edwin Jackson kind of came back with a stellar performance. Yeah, too bad. Uh, Jackson's very similar to Liriano. One game he'll be great, yep. next game he'll be bad. Mm-hmm. So they, that's been his story. Usually it's season by season, but the last year and a half, it's like game by game with, with Edwin Jackson. You don't know what you're going to get with him. Mm-hmm. And that's not what you want if you're a manager. You'd like a little consistency out of your pitchers. But uh, either way, Minnesota won White Sox, nothing, no hitter up north with our Chicago Cubs. Actually, a better description directionally would be out west. They take on the Dodgers. They're down one nothing. Chad Billingsley sailing along. Carlos Pena finally, finally goes deep. I like Carlos Pena, by the way. I'm not going to jump on him for the rough start. But he hits a home run, big dog. They score two more, three more in the top of nine. Come back and beat the Dodgers. Significant victory for your Chicago Cub. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty cool. And, uh, Kerry Wood looking great yes. again. Uh, this year, 
Uh, I, I'm not going to pound on Carlos Pena because uh, I, I've already did. I didn't want them to sign him. He's good defensively, mm-hmm. Coach. But I like his attitude. I love his attitude. Yes. I love him defensively. Well, how come a guy that you know graduated from a major university, I mm-hmm. think it was even uh, a Ivy League, but it was like a good school, how could a guy like that have such a good attitude not make an adjustment at the plate? He tries to pull everything and hit it out of the ballpark, every single pitch, no matter where it's at. It's, mm-hmm. You can't do anything in the major leagues that way. That's, I mean, that's why he only has one home run. That's why you know he will go on a, a binge at some point this year. But he's going to hit 220, and he might hit 35 home runs. That's that's unacceptable. Mm-hmm. Ten million dollars a year. That's that. Well, um, right, coach, he's a good guy. That's why I don't want to sit here and bash yeah. him because he's got a good attitude. Yeah, he really does. You could tell the players really like him. He's in the short period of time he's been with the Cub, he has become a team leader. You could you saw that in the preseason. You can see it in the dugout when they. Uh, picture the team, but uh, I think he's going to hit higher than 220. I'm not going to say 290, 300, but I think he'll be 250, 260 before it's all over. What, what did he hit last year, Coach? Not sure. Was it 198? Really? What did he, what did he hit the year before that? Like, Wait a minute, he 15? hit 198 last year? I, I, I want Dave Olson to get his career stats up for and him. we paid him but, but he, $10 million? Over the last couple of years, he basically has batting averages of like 230, 220, mm-hmm. and I know he has like a 198 season in there. Ouch! It's not good. Baseballreference.com, by the way, yeah. is, is the all right. The, but but now I will tell you this, and, and I think you agree with me, and we've alluded to it before. And I know their record isn't that great, but there is something about this year's Chicago Cub team, big dog. Where I do have a good feeling about. You can see the players genuinely enjoy playing with each other. They got some competitors, some leaders, some good attitudes on the team. There is a chance. It's the old expression, when you least expect it, something comes up and bites you on the hiney. I still think there's a chance this Chicago Cub team, I'm not saying World Series, but I think this Cub team could surprise, and I'm basing it on, of course, the young talent they got up the middle, but even more so, there's just a good feeling about this year's team. Yeah, I, I I I totally agree, Coach. And I don't think they're going to win the division. But <clears throat> I would be I would be surprised if they truly did contend. You know, not like just the not just be like the pain in the side of the of the Cardinals and the Reds and, mm-hmm. and, the, and the Brewers. <clears throat> I would be surprised if they did contend. But there is a good feeling about this team, and and I wouldn't expect Marlon Bird to be traded soon, Coach. <clears throat> yeah, he he's sort of like Carlos Pena. Performance hasn't been great. Hard to get mad at him because he's such. A great guy, the kind of kid you could root for. This is the kind of team, if they had some success, you could really get behind. Kind of a feel-good ball club with some good, as good of attitudes uh, collectively as I can remember in a long time for the Cubs. Uh, now, we, uh, we, we you have to be strong up the middle, Coach. And both of us love Darwin Barney Woo! Star- and Starlin Castro. Yeah. Uh, Starlin Castro. Everybody loves Starlin Castro. By the way, the Sports Illustrated jinx. Uh-huh. Half hit again. I don't know if you're aware or not, but... Uh, Sports Illustrated cover boy this week is going to be Starlin Castro. Uh-huh. And as soon as they made that decision, what, the last three, four, five games, Starlin is about 0 for whatever. So his batting average down to 315. There definitely is something out of the SI jinx. Yeah, yeah. Coach, who's what uh, athlete was on the SI cover the most? Which athlete was on the cover the most? Uh, Muhammad Ali? Well, he's now second most. Second. But you're right. That 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 SI jinx really sucks for him. Horrible boxer. Huh? Well, they got Michael Jordan, most SI covers of all time. That SI jinx really was bad on him, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. There's no such thing as SI jinx. Yes, there is. I, so I, there I, is. I actually believe there is. I've seen it 
too many times to happen. There is a, there is some extrasensory perception taking place, and you get on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and the jinx hits you. I fully believe that. And I'm a non-superstitious guy. But uh, you never been talking about Starlin Castro. <laughs> Darwin Barney. Darwin Barney is really, really good. I like him the more I watch him play. And uh, Did you see the defensive play he made going to his left indeed. yesterday? Yep. Oh, my. And, and by the way, Carlos Pena, nice pick on the bad throw by Barney. But yep. I don't blame him for the bad throw considering the situation. Mm-hmm. He was in what a play by, by Barney. Mm-hmm. And then when he's at bat, he, I love how Bob Brunley says it, and he's exactly right. He has an approach to yep. every at bat. That's good, good, good comment. You know, and and he and he doesn't go up there all stiff and oh, I got to do this, this. He's just like, oh no, this, this guy's gonna try mm-hmm. to pitch me inside because I'm trying to hit the ball to the right field. So I'm gonna have to, yep. you know, whatever it is. You know, he he seems like he he goes up there and you're happy with his at bat. Like mm-hmm. you're like, oh yeah, he understood what was going on. Yeah, he's so, a player. He yeah. is a player, and they complement each other very well. It's almost like a, you know, the makings of a good marriage. Between man and woman, Darlin Barney and Starlin Castro, different personalities. One's a little more solidified. One's more got the charisma. One's a little unpredictable, can be spectacular. The other one is solid, does everything right. I think the two of them will have a long, happy marriage together, Big Dog. I don't know how their social life is, but they really should settle down together. You know, uh, and not as good a news, because those guys are confirmed. They're going to be good Major League Baseball players. At worst, Darwin Barney is going to be a great defensive player and a guy that can at least move runners over. I mean, at worst, offensively, that's what he'll be. Uh, but in the minor leagues, the kid that they drafted out of California in the first round two years ago, mm-hmm. center fielder Brett Jackson, is has moved up from like the, the 30th best prospect. To, so far this year in the minor leagues, they're saying he's the best minor league nice. prospect. Center, nobody... center fielder of the future? Uh-huh. Nice. They, I mean, line drive hitter. Gold glove defensively. He's Ooh. not. He's not Peter Borjos of of the Angels. Have you seen that kid play? Coach? No. Oh my goodness. That's my Do team. Do you realize man. they have Tory Hunter and Vernon Wells, I both did. Gold Glove center fielders, and they moved them to put this kid in center field. That's my, the Anaheim Angels are my team. Remember that. And uh, you know, late, I, I'm, I, I watched MLB Network up until this week when they when they finally got Bin Laden. But all the way up to this year. You know, I don't go to bed till once. I'm always watching the Angels game because they mm-hmm. always have the like the live looking. The kids run into a wall every other game catching a ball, and then he comes back laughing. And his now name is well, Peter Bourgeois. 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 You actually pronounce it like when you read it and you look at it. <laughs> you actually you don't you don't have to think French or anything. You mm-hmm. just go Peter Bourgeois. Okay. So, but you're right because Bourgeois. I don't know. Depending on which language you think that it might be. Uh, I was just trying to give him a little bit more of a. Uh... Peter Borges. You know, avant-garde name. But, uh, all right, very cool. So the uh, Cubs beat the Dodgers 4-1. We should also mention, by the way, the hitting streak continues. Andre Ethier gets a base hit. Big dog, 29 consecutive games. He's in uh, pretty elitist territory at this point. Heck yeah, heck yeah. You get to 30. That's another one of the, like I said, the first one is, like, when you get to 20, it, every all the all the fans of that team should know mm-hmm. what's going on. Have we hit the point? I don't watch right now, but has ESPN hit the point now where they will uh, break away to every Andre Ethier at bet? They're going to start very soon because right around 30 is important, unless, of course, an NBA playoff game is on at the time, and that mm-hmm. will not happen. Okay. But it might go on like an ESPN 2 okay. if we have a woman's softball tournament going on. <laughs> All right, I'm, not, I'm not laughing. I'm trying to – this is true. So Okay. Now, there is a uh, book out, you know, probably the, the 43rd book written about Joe DiMaggio and the hitting streak. I believe it's called 56, but there's an excerpt in there 
that I've read in a magazine. I've read the book yet, but I read the excerpt on game number 57. When the oh, streak when, was broken, I don't know if you're familiar with it, Big oh, Dog. I'm but absolutely, I'm absolutely familiar with it. Coach. It was a uh, what was it? A third baseman that came up with two big steals, a potential base hits on Dimaggio. Yeah, a third baseman uh, for the Washington Nationals. Yep. Uh, on an extremely hot, hot July day. Washington, uh, who? The the Washington Senators. Senators. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, I said Nationals. I'm sorry, Coach. I wasn't alive ever for the Washington Senators. You should have been. Frank Howard uh, was a big part of my childhood. Continue the story. But uh, he made one play where uh, he did like the Brooks Robinson backhand Mm -hmm. stop and fling it as he was going over the foul line play, which people like it should have been a double, and then he did another one like a dive in the hole uh, where he snared a line drive. Mm -hmm. And and no one, the both plays, the ball was absolutely a rocket. And uh, he ends up going 0 for 4 that day. I guess other routine outs that day. Thought he had but, a walk yeah. in there too. I think there was one walk. There, there might have been, but yeah, mm-hmm. there was there was two plays that to this day, like I guess people were like, oh, they'd be they'd be the number one web gem of the of the year, and mm-hmm. both plays like, that's wow. how he ended it. And wow. then he hit in seventeen consecutive games after that. See, now I didn't know that. See, that, wow. that's that's the crazy thing is he hit in seventy three out of seventy four ball games in nineteen forty one. Wow. You know, when he was in the Pacific Coast League, uh, when he was playing for the, the San Diego Padres coach, mm-hmm. uh, or no, no, he played for the San Francisco Seals. I'm sorry, uh, Ted uh, Williams played for the San Francisco Padres. Uh, when when DiMaggio, he had a 61-game hitting streak. And though the Yankees were thinking about bringing him up, but they were like, you know, let the kid, you know, they they waited until the streak ended because it ended up being like this huge phenomena back there. Oh, back then. 61 games in the minor league. So even if the guy's ready to come up and help your major league team, you don't want to break his streak at the minor league level. It was a, it was a little different back then because it technically wasn't minor leagues, uh-huh. but the Yankees had purchased the guy. He like gotcha. you know what I mean. They actually bought the guy, gotcha. but it was it was like contingent on the streak had the owner wanted the streak to continue so they can people they were mm-hmm. they were coming in from everywhere from San Francisco to see this kid that the Yankees owned mm-hmm. that. Uh, was hitting in every single game. So, uh, Hey, very quickly as we wind up the show, we told the fans we were going to give them a winner today in the Kentucky Derby. Give me a five-second analysis of a few horses that are running in the Derby, Big Dog. 40-to-one shot, Uncle Mo. Uh, I would go with Curly. 200-to-one <laughs> uh, shot, Mucho Macho Man. Uh, machismo not needed. Interesting. How about decisive moment ridden by Juan Arias going at fifty to one? Um, a decisive moment is the fact that you'll, you should have done something different with your money. Mm-hmm. Here's a horse for you, fifteen to one odds. Stay thirsty. Uh, and he's ridden by the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> nicely played, nicely played. Now this horse is not officially into it, but our our uh, uh, two guys in a mic. Inside sources tell us there's a slight chance that a horse named Flatulence will be running in the Derby. What do you think about Flatulence running at 150 to one? Well, for the other horses, preferably in the rear. <laughs> it's a problem. If he's if he's a closer, it's okay. If he's a, what do they call the guys that get out of the gate quickly? The ones that get out of the gate quickly. No, no, there's a name for it. But if he gets out early, that could be a problem. Sprinters. Huh? The sprinters, close the enough. The rabbits, close enough. Another horse we uh, apparently, and again, is not listed, but that our people tell us about late entry, fully extended. What do you think about fully extended in eight to one shot? 
uh, <laughs> wearing Cialis colors, Coach. <laughs> Sponsored by Cialis? Yeah. Oh, that's very nice. All right. I'm telling you right now, the winner is going to be, and he's coming in at 20 to 1, so you can make some pretty good money on this pants on fire. I'm giving you an early line. Courtesy to our listeners, Big Dog, pants on fire at 20 to 1 will be your derby winner. Uh, it's good to know that uh, I'm going to win a couple thousand dollars this Saturday, Coach. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, Dahl, we got to wind it up. Any uh, final thoughts? And we do want to thank Jay McKinney. He was outstanding representing Second City. Yes, absolutely, Coach. So, uh, no final thoughts. I, I just need to get something to eat immediately because my stomach's going inside out. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. We'll talk to you at 10 tomorrow, Big Dog. Hopefully, hopefully talking about a Bulls victory. Yes, we will be talking about that. Go Bulls. Go Bulls. There it is. Big Dog signing off. David Olson, our producer, and the rest of the crew on the other side of the glass. Where is the rest of the crew? Uh, I guess it's just David Olson. Uh, thank you so much for an outstanding job. 10 o'clock tomorrow, we do it all over again. Two guys at a mic, TalkZone.com, signing off. Have a outstanding day, everybody.